We've been talking about this, this series, Unhurried, and this is exactly what, what Jesus did. We, we see this throughout the scriptures that he had a lot of these moments where he, he slowed down. He was, he was unhurried. He, he had dinner experiences with the people around him, with the people that he loved. And, and sometimes we read scriptures that maybe not the people that he, not so, he didn't like so very much, but he was there. He made these moments, these opportunities to sit down with him. And we, we, we see a few of them. There was, there was once at a, at a wedding where he turned water into wine. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and the, there was also a, a dinner where, where we read about Mary, where she came in and she, she gave all that she had, literally all that she had, where she broke her alabaster box over in the beautiful story that we find in the New Testament. And she wept over his feet and she just gave everything that she was. And we, we read about him feeding 5,000. So, so not just intimate dinner parties, but huge block parties. 5,000 people feeding 5,000 people, having dinner with all of these people. And we, we read of intimate times like the Last Supper where he gathered with his 12 disciples, his 12 closest friends and, and spoke of deep things, had conversations of what was coming and what was happening, revealing his life, giving his life away, right? And so... So we see this and this, this practice of, of unhurried and meals with, with friends and with, is far more, it, it's far beyond a, a, a ritual. It, it's far beyond something that he had to do, but it was literally the way of life that he chose to live. It was, it was what he chose to do. I mean, if, if, if you, th you think of any popular person right now, there, there, is, there are a ton of things pulling at them which, every which way, all kinds of responsibilities, all kinds of activities, all, all, all kinds of things that wanna fill their agenda. And you think about that. You think about Jesus changing the world. So many people hearing about all the miracles that he was doing. Don't you think there were people always around him pulling at him, trying to consume his time wanting him to come, but to see him take these moments, to see him separate himself, to see him stop, pull back, and, and choose to live an unhurried pace is something that I want to make sure that we, that we catch, that we, that we understand, that we grab. And because the, the truth of the matter is, as, as we've pointed out, and, and quite frankly, as you, you experience all week long, culture moves in the opposite direction. <laughs> culture is moving in the opposite direction of being unhurried one of the one of the greatest challenges of this series and unhurried has been when when we take when examining Jesus's life and examining what he's calling us to do and we we overlay that on top of our very own life we, we quickly see and it doesn't doesn't quite match up at times in in many ways you can, and you can quickly be overwhelmed as, as we, we are convicted and we start to see these different areas in our life where, okay, God, I, I really, I'm really feeling convicted that I, that I gotta change this, and, but, but there's also this thing, there's also this other thing. Th those things can, can overwhelm you and, and, and bring a weight on you that just becomes unbearable, and then at that point, you're just like, well, you, you can easily give up. Right? You, if you think about your responsibilities, and, and there's, there, there's a... There's, Multiple responsibilities represented here, represented on, there online. I think about the, 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 the mom or, or the dad or the, the stay-home mom or dad that not only stays home and takes care of all those things, but, but also is, is, a, is a 
homeschools the, the kids. We think about you know, the, the, the construction worker that, that works 60 plus hours a week. Think about it, the school teacher that, that, his, that has his or her responsibility to school, but then also has a family to take care of when they, when they come home. Or, or the, the business person, the, the entrepreneur, that, that time doesn't stop. Work doesn't stop at five o'clock. <laughs> Sometimes it's just getting going. We, we, we overlay what we've been talking about of Jesus living an unhurried life, of Jesus living a life at a different pace than the world. And we, we, we contrast that with the, the things that we need to do to be successful in any one of those, those situations, in any one of your, your job responsibilities. And sometimes those things don't quite line up. And those things can become Overwhelming, they can become heavy. This practice, this practice can, has challenged us. This practice has, has drawn us to cause us to look up and really examine things from an elevated view. Can we just take this moment right now and just go, just exhale a little bit and understand that what we're talking about that there, we have to recognize that there is an aspect of, of, of an unknown supernatural dynamic that, that has to be involved in walking this. There has to be a, a supernatural dynamic in living a life like Jesus. There has to be a supernatural dynamic, a, a connection of how all this thing comes together because it's, it's pretty obvious that it's beyond us, Amen. It's beyond what we can do and how we can organize our lives. And we have to, we have to be open and connected to those things. Now, and listen, the, I, I by no means am an expert on this or know all the answers, but listen, I know who does. <laughs> I know who has all the answers. His name is Jesus. And he, he's here this morning as, as we have already experienced him. But not only does he want to be here this morning, and you, you've heard, you've heard every, every speaker from this place echo that he, know, he doesn't want to just interact with you here. He wants to interact with you your entire life. And it is, it is him who said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You, you catch that? I give you the rest. This is Jesus speaking, telling us, I am the one who gives you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My life experience, my life experience tells me that Often when there, there's an area in my life that I'm experiencing you know, turmoil, I'm, I'm experiencing chaos, I'm, I'm, I continuously experience some, some type of, of dysfunction regularly, quite often it's because I've yet to surrender that to the Lord completely. I've yet to give it to him. And, and there, there, there have been times, speaking from myself in my life, there have been times where if, if I step back and I really look at it, it's me trying to convince God, I believe that this can work, Lord. I'm, I'm really convinced that this, is, this, this will work. I'm, I'm convinced that this is, this is the right relationship. I'm convinced that this is the way I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is the way I'm supposed to be going. And God is saying, man, I, listen, if, if you're trying to convince me, then I, I, I don't, I don't, 
I'm trying to tell you something else, but you're trying to convince me that this is what it is. Oftentimes in my life, I find myself having that discussion with God. And it's, it's, it's until I yield completely to him, I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do more than just say I trust you. I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do more than, than just sing the song. I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna do more than just, just be the part. I'm actually gonna step into the life of it. And I'm gonna choose to live it. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about living this life. And certainly this, this, this series as we've been talking about coming to Jesus, it's, it's that your desires and the things that you've been doing. And listen, even the things that sometimes you're really good at doing. Sometimes, sometimes those things are, are the things that are really not lining up with who God is calling you to be. And so we have to submit under the yoke of Christ. We have to submit under this burden because it is a burden, right? The the Bible does say that. The Bible doesn't say, hey, come come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is non-existent, right? It doesn't doesn't say that. It says that my burden is light, but it is a burden and God is calling us to carry it. And so that was, that's kind of the, 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 what we've been talking about, about taking that first step, yielding to God, understanding that he has a calling over our lives and yielding, yielding to his practices. I want to remind you of, of those four practices. One, Jesus, he prayed. And I, and I believe coupled with prayer is fasting. Something that, that we as believers have, has to be a part of what we do, of what we do and how we live our lives. It has to be a, a cyclical moment in our lives where we deny ourselves in order to find, have a deeper relationship with Christ. So we saw Jesus pray. We saw Jesus, Jesus knew scriptures. And if, if you think about those two things, we just came out of, of, of the 20, of 21 days of prayer where not only did we set aside time, we consecrated moments and we, we stepped into a life of prayer, but we studied scripture. We, we started early in the morning. We, we did sometimes in the afternoon where, where it would be up on social media. You can, you can get a hold of it. So we had evening worship, but it was all about trying. It was all about stepping into who God is calling us to be. The practice of prayer, the practice of fasting. Some of you may have done that. I love that. Let's continue to do that. We we read scriptures, practicing what Jesus did. The last two things that we talked about, Jesus, he shared his life with a small group. Oh my goodness, what opportunities do we have today? (laughs) See how that works? (laughs) He shared his life with a small group and he served others. And, And listen, this is the reality. Following Jesus has to be the priority of your schedule and your practices. It has to be. Following Jesus, his ways have to be the priority. It's not us adding him to our, to our lives, to adding him to the list of the things. <laughs> it's him being at the top of the list of the things of our lives. He has to be there. That's his rightful place. And I believe until, until we get that right, we, we will continue to struggle in, in, in our own strength and in, in our own weakness and in, with our own wherewithal and by our own doing. We will continue to struggle with those things because he is enough. If you believe that, say amen. He is enough. So we've taken these last 21 days to do that and we have this moment, this opportunity to step, in, to step into his life and his space and take that on in a deeper, 
a deeper way this morning. Jesus lived his life without, within the context of a small group of friends. He did. And he shared his life with them. We, we talked about that. As you, as you read through scriptures, you can see that, that he, there, was, there was actually, you can see there's, there's two kind of different levels of, of, of intimacy that he shared with the people. He had his disciples, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He had his friends that he hung around with and people that he would live life with. But then there was also a really close group of friends, Peter, James, and John, that, that he would bring into the intimate moments of his life that he would take to, to a different level of, of prayer and of communication and conversation. I think this is the pattern that God is calling us to step into because, again, today it's group Sunday. And what I'm asking you, I'm asking every single person in this room and every single person watching me to be in a group, to take another step closer to the pace of Jesus. And so this, this morning, as, as we kind of ex examine the, the life of Jesus a little bit closer there, I, I want to I point out something that he, that he did on a regular basis. You know, we, we read in the scriptures where he, he would go away for a time. He would, he would find these moments in, in, in all of the chaos that was happening in his world, in, the, in that area, in that culture at that time. He would find these moments of silence and solitude. And, and I, you, you think silence and solitude and you, you immediately think, wow, that, that's kind of counterintuitive to, to really talking about groups and, and adding another thing to my weekly schedule. Now you're, you want to talk about silence and solitude. But, but isn't, it, isn't it often that we talk about the way of Jesus and walking in his life that it is counterintuitive to the, to the way we think and the things that we have to do? It's, it's, it's usually always this. It's always counterintuitive. And so I, I just kind of want to share with you a little bit of what author Henry Nguyen, he, what he said about silence and solitude. He said, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. I say we regularly read about these periods of Jesus' life where he went away into some silence and, some, and solitude, where he woke up early in the morning. Listen, that takes intention. <laughs> it takes intention to wake up earlier than what you really, really have to so that you can make it to work with 30 seconds before you got to be there. <laughs> you agree. It takes intention to step into the pace of Jesus. And this is what I'm asking. This is what I'm asking you to do because there's there's always things to do, right? It takes intention to stop all the things that we're doing and take a moment to step into your closet or your restroom or your quiet place to get away from everything. It takes intention to stop doing all those things to find a moment to give to God, to find solace, to find solitude, to sit in His presence silently. Doesn't, doesn't it always seem like anytime? You sign up for a missions trip. Anytime you sign up for uh, some type of ministry conference or some type of ministry retreat, you know, it's, it's months in advance and you're like, oh yeah, it, it'll be fine. But then as the time approaches, you, you, you get your reminder on your phone maybe and you're like, okay, it's a month away. And you're like, oh my God, this is gonna be crazy. This is like the worst time for me to go do this. Doesn't it always seem like, and as the, the closer you get to it, the more chaotic things start to seem. It's like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this or not. It takes intention. It takes intention 
to say, you know what, you know what God, no, I'm, I'm going to set aside time for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these moments. I know there's a bunch of things going on, but you take precedence over that. You are more important than any of that. It's all about you, Jesus. So we see Jesus. He, he sets this high priority on silence and solitude. From, from the very beginning of his ministry, we see in, in Matthew 4 that right after he's baptized by John in this, this amazing moment where the Lord, where the Father speaks from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He has this glorious moment. And then all of a sudden, the, spirit, the, the Bible tells us the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to go for 40 days of fasting. The Bible says that after the 40 days of fasting, the, the, the devil shows up because he was hungry. Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This word solitary and the word wilderness in the, in the, in the scripture before, these words in the Greek form are eremas, which mean essentially a, a desert a deserted or desolate place, a, a place of solitary, a place of a lonely place. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, I don't, I don't want to go there. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to walk step into that. But the, the truth of the matter is, is we see when Jesus, when he would take his time and get away to this place, it was this wilderness, this silence, this solitude was not a place of weakness, but a place from where he grew his strength. A place from where he went once again connected with the Father. And time and time again, we see that he returned to this place to be strengthened. In Luke 4.42 and Luke 5.16, the Bible says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And the truth of the matter is when, when you think of silence, right? Silence has two dimensions. There's, there's the, the external and there, and there is the internal. And, and the external is pretty self-explanatory and pretty easy to gain, right? If you want, a ex, you want external silence, you just turn off the sound. You turn off the radio. You turn off the, the, the TV. You turn off whatever the sound is coming from. But the internal is much more difficult to achieve. John, John Mark Comer says it this way. Speaking of using the external noise to, draw, to drown out the internal noise, he says this. Internal noise, the, the mental chatter that just never shuts up. The, the running commentary in our heads on everything. The, the replaying of a lousy conversation with a friend repeatedly. Our lustful thoughts for the girl or the guy down the street. Our fantasies. And, and not just sexual, but our, our revenge fantasies. Imagine, imagining saying this or doing that to our enemies of choice. Our, our worry, the, the chipping away at our joy and peace with the hammer of what if, what if, what ifs. The obsessing over hypothetical scenarios, role-playing the future catastrophizing, idealizing, dreaming of the perfect life, which in turn poisons our actual life. 
the kind of silence that we're in need of is, is when we quiet the external and the internal noises. And that happens when you get some eremos, some of this eremos solitude. And it's, it's not isolation because those two things could be further apart. Listen, I want you to understand this. Solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Isolation puts a target on your back for the tempter. And in solitude, we're, we're anything but alone. In fact, it's where, where many of us find our true connection. <laughs> we, we, we find fulfillment. We find that connection to God that we've been longing for. And maybe it's, that's what's missing for you to connect to him. And, and this, here's the reason why we're willing to talk about silence and solitude on group Sunday. Because I realize that a small group, it can feel like a huge commitment. Even, even now, from, from the moment we, we have these services, you, you begin to play out your calendar, your weekly calendar, like, man, I, I, don't, I don't have time for that. I, I, I just don't. I'm sorry. I just, I just don't have time for that. But what, but what I'm saying is, what, what, if, what, what, if, what if through silence and solitude, you find the strength to, you find the strength to slow down, slow down enough to be a better apprentice of Jesus? Or because of the silence and solitude and because of the group that you're stepping in, you, you realize that you're not alone in your struggle. <laughs> you find a counterpart. You find somebody else that is struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with. And all of a sudden, you have someone else to help you carry that. That's right next to you. Or maybe that's what you need to, to prioritize, loving and serving others, being a blessing in their lives and them in your lives. And to find the fulfillment and healing in relationships. Relationships that help you practice the ways of Jesus together. Landon, come up here and help me finish. Could silence and solitude, listen, could silence and solitude with God fundamentally free us to make time? Could, could this be the thing that we are missing in our lives? These moments where we give God complete silence and complete attention so that we can hear from him. Not only give him the things that we need and not only tell him because the truth of the matter is he knows and he wants to hear those things. But these moments where we actually stop and we, we sit in silence and we allow him to speak into our lives. Could silence and solitude with God fundamentally free us to make this time? To make this time for, to have a small, to be in a small group once a week or twice a week. To, to find ourselves in meaningful conversations that uplift us. To find these relationships where we can be truly known, where we can be honest with one another. We can be, now offload this weight, this, these secrets that we carry, these burdens that we carry, these atrocities that we carry. Finding those relationships where we can come together and be freed from these things. Forge lasting relationships that press the kingdom of God forward. I believe it's, it's life-giving. 
I believe it is life-giving. I've experienced the life-giving effect of being in a group. We heard from it just from these group leaders that were up here, how it changed lives, it changed perspective. That's why I'm telling you, we want every person that comes to One Chapel, every person that sits here, every person that is, that is here, every person that attends, every person that watches us online to be in a group. It's that important to us. It's that important to you. It matters. Listen, like if, if, you, if you walk around and you can't find a group, man, make one of your own. Like get two or three people that, that are like you and that, that you can get along with. Because listen, it could happen. You walk to a group, you're like, man, I ain't never going back to that group. They are crazy. <laughs> just, that's just part of it. We got some crazy people here. But we do have people here. We do have family here. And I think that's important. And I think that's why we want to highlight that this morning. You have to. You must. You must make it a priority to live your life and have a group be a part of that life. Simply because that's what Jesus did. It's not, it's not what Ross does. It's not what I do. It's not what Brent does. It's not what Rob does. It's not what the pastors do. No, it's what Jesus did. It's, it's, it's the example that he left for us. So I'd like you to all stand with me this morning. I want to remind you that to be an apprentice under Jesus is to organize your life around these three basic goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And I wanna, I wanna go ahead and dismiss the, all the group leaders. Go, go and stand next to your tables right now as, as we come to a close. And the, the prayer team is, is always available. If you want to take a moment, you want to, you, you're feeling something, we're always going to give you an opportunity to come and pray. And as well as online, you can drop your prayers in on the thread and there's somebody there that wants to pray with you. But I want to challenge you this morning. I, I know some of you, you got some kids in childcare. I want you to take these next 10 minutes before you have to go get them and freely walk around and get to know a bunch of, of these amazing group leaders that are all around us. You know, Jesus spent time cultivating these meaningful and purposeful relationships. How did he do it? He slowed down enough with silence and solitude that he made room for others in his life. We become like Jesus when we do what Jesus did.